Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. Happy Thursday. I'm really happy to be here with you today. And we have got a great show in store. Before we dive into today's conversation, a quick word from one of our absolutely amazing partners, Crew. Y'all, I love Crew so much. The Bible has changed my life. Y'all know this. On the Mini BFF podcast, I tell the kids every episode that the Bible is my favorite book, and it is. But imagine for a second if you couldn't get a Bible or if you couldn't afford a Bible or think about what it would feel like if it wasn't legal to have one. Honestly, sometimes we forget there are people, lots of people. Well, I forget. There are lots of people all around the world who simply can't get a Bible. That's why we're thrilled to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations in the world. They have over 25,000 missionaries and in almost every country. And Crew is giving Bibles to people around the globe in their own heart language and sharing the hope of Jesus. But here's where they need our help. For just $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. How cool is that? And when you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, you'll also be partnering with Crew to provide meals for five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry and you get a free copy of my new book chase the fun as a thank you you can like start stacking things up for christmas gifts hey simply text fun to 71326 to help today think about how the bible has changed your life and imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life so text fun to 71326 that's f-u-n to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash that sounds fun message and data rates may apply. Today on the show, I get to talk with Deb Liu. Y'all, Deborah Liu is a seasoned technology executive who's currently the CEO of Ancestry and has been a leader at both Facebook and PayPal. Yeah, no big deal. She's just the founder of Facebook Marketplace and has had a hand in developing multiple functionalities of eBay. Add to that distinguished list of accomplishments, she is the author of the new book, Take Back Your Power, 10 New Rules for Women at Work. She's brilliant and she's inspiring. She's wise. Whether you're a woman at work or you work with women or you've ever had a job before, 
I think you'll find the conversation fascinating and empowering. I mean, literally, I took my copy of her book and drove it after this interview to a friend of mine who's going back to work and she has loved it. So y'all are going to love this too. Here's my conversation with Deb Lou. Deb, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for the invitation. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, this was such an easy invitation for me, my friend, because every single time we talk about business on this That Sounds Fun podcast, it is like the people have their mouths open dying to be fed. Have you experienced that as a woman in leadership at work, that there are so many women hungry to know how to do this well? Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually why I wrote the book. I got so many calls and requests over the years, like, what advice do you have for me in my career? How can I, you know, have a successful family, have it all, have a successful work life? And I realized that, you know, there wasn't a definitive guide to yeah. actually, especially people of faith, to really have a conversation around what work means and yeah. what power means and how difficult it is to navigate. I mean, we're told all of these things when we're growing up, how to be a good girl, you know, how to do things right, how to have a have a successful life. But I think sometimes we don't talk about the workplace where, by the way, we spend more time than we do asleep or with our families. Yes. And yet it's such a big part of our lives. And yet we often are, we shy away from having that conversation. And so I wanted to kind of put that conversation in the forefront, which is why I wrote the book. Will you give people a little bit of your bio? So as we're jumping in, I want them to realize, I mean, I'll read it if you feel weird about it, but <laughs> I would love for you to kind of say, what are some of the jobs you've done so that people can kind of have a little history of you as we're going into this conversation? Yeah, you know, I kind of stumbled into tech. I actually joined a startup called PayPal. It's now a very big company. <laughs> Just this little startup <laughs> called PayPal. <laughs> and, you know, when I was there, I actually kind of joined a tiny team. And then suddenly we were bought by eBay. And I led wow. part of the eBay PayPal integration over the several years and then eventually went to corporate strategy. I built the social commerce and uh, charity verticals at PayPal. And then I went over to eBay after I had my uh, first child. I went over to eBay and I led the buyer experience for a time. And then after I had my second child, I went to Facebook. And there I spent 11 years working on a number of different products. I think the most famous one is Facebook Marketplace. Yes. Um, but I worked on Facebook Pay, which is now called MetaPay. Um, I worked on the games business. I also worked on the ads products. So I've done a number of different things. And then about 18 months ago, I actually got a call about a new job. And that was for the president and CEO of Ancestry, this incredible yes. company, 35 years old, that really helps people discover their family history and tell their family story. And it's just an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And so I've been here for for about 18 months. I need you to know the other night at dinner, my two girlfriends and I pulled up our Ancestry app and all we did over Mexican is talk about what percent we are of everything. And so <laughs> it is like the most fun thing y'all are building. And what a gift to give to so many families. I have another friend who found her biological grandmother. Her mother had never met her biological mom and found her through an Ancestry moment. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I bet you hear those stories all the time. I joke that I can't go to a party without hearing an amazing story. <laughs> but I tell people where I work, they're like, and then here's my, you know, here's a story of yes. somebody. And it's just so incredible that Ancestry has kind of opened a whole new world to people connecting with their family in new ways, you know, first cousins and, yeah. you know, biological parents, adopted, you know, adopted children, but also people of surprise discoveries too, you know. Oh, girl, we've got never surprised on both sides of my family of like, <laughs> oh, that wasn't actually your dad. I mean, back in the history, it's like all those yes. secrets from 1912 are no longer secrets. <laughs> 
it's just a, it's part of the journey. It's really a journey of personal discovery, and that's yeah. what we really focus on. And so that's what I've been doing recently, and then also the book. Yeah, as two business women talking to each other, I know other people are listening to us, but I'm like, Deb, let's talk about this because I do not know a lot of people talking to women working in the mainstream world that are women of faith, saying, "Here's how you lead well," because. Honestly, in the church, women are in a lot of places in the church, not all of them, women aren't given places to lead. And so they're leading out in the world, but there isn't a leader telling us how to do it, sort of. Has that been your experience? Well, I think that's hard because the church's, you know, relationship with women and leadership is difficult, right? Yeah. And one of the things I recount is a story of when I was um, I was doing pre-marriage counseling. So my boyfriend at the time, who's been my husband for over 20 years, and I were doing pre-marriage counseling at our church in Atlanta. And the pastor, and we were about to move, I had just gotten to Stanford for business yeah. school. And the pastor asked, why would you follow her there? You know, why is she getting a graduate degree? She doesn't need it. And I just remember thinking I was really crushed because think about somebody who's, you know, the leader of your church telling you that maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're not following God's plan. Yeah. And it really, you know, I just remember being both humiliated, upset and and angry at the same time. And as we were talking about it afterwards, my boyfriend at the time said, you know what? That's why you're named Deborah. You know, she was a leader. And he just, and you're you know, like, marry me. Just, <laughs> I know. I was like, now is the time. So we were, I think we were about to get engaged or already engaged. Yeah. And so we were just talking about just, he said, and by the way, the Proverbs 31 woman, she is a leader in her family. Yes. She is an entrepreneur. You know, she goes, and he said, you know, honestly, her husband's probably sitting at the gate, you know, spitting in shoes and touching, touching the thighs of men, making contracts, you know, yeah. and, and I just remember he, we started laughing and he yeah. said, you know, you are meant for, meant for more. So it's okay. And he, you know, we went to Stanford. In the end, we actually went to the Chinese pastor of the church. He's the senior pastor of the church. And he said, have you seen my wife? She's an incredibly successful woman. Yeah. And so I recently reached out to him just to thank him for really changing the course of my life. And he actually married us in that church. And we got wow. married. And the next week, we moved out to California. Wow. Yeah, I, I love I love guys. I'm not married yet. I would love to marry one and live with him. I'm very into men. I think they're wonderful. And so I don't ever want people to feel like this is an anti-male conversation because it's not at all. It's just paying attention that there are a lot of women who are gifted to lead and historically haven't been given the opportunity. And now that we do, it's almost like we don't have the language or the tools, but we know we have the power. Mm. Does that feel right to you? Yeah. Well, I mean... God gives us different gifts and he gives men and women leadership yeah. abilities yeah. and the ability to succeed. And you look at the women who influenced in the Bible, you know, the Deborahs, the Proverbs 31 woman, Priscilla, like you look yeah. at these women who shaped the early church. Yeah. You look at women who changed the course of history like Rahab and you think about these women who, you know, God mentions them by name in the yes. Bible that, you know, their, their names are recorded. And it was back then when they actually didn't record the names of the genealogy, right? Yes. Yes. And so these are women who changed the course of history and change the course of what we what our faith is and yet you know we often say well maybe women should should be quiet and, and sit in the back but god does not make mistakes he does mm. not raise a woman to be the judge of israel and then say oh actually i don't mean women to lead yes yes he didn't I, have to have her that's right, right. he didn't have that's to have right. deborah and so i just think it's incredible that we today even struggle so many years later after that story was written that she was a leader of and she you know the the general came to her for yes. advice right yes. and so you think about that she was but god ordained her to be a leader 
And he ordained all of us to lead in our own lives, whether it's at home or at work. Yeah. I love Lydia and Axe because it's yes. like mm-hmm. she's hanging out with her friends on a Sunday. She runs a business. She's got a family to take care of. And she even, it even talks about her having religious practices. But then when Paul tells her about Jesus, she's like, oh, well, I, yeah, now y'all can meet in my house. So I'm like, this girl <laughs> does it all. Lydia does it all. <laughs> just love it. I think it's awesome. One of the things you that I really jumped out at me in the book is you have a section where you're talking about power and you're talking about how misunderstood power is between men and women. And you have this list of all these power words that we talk about that are masculine. And then the comparison of women's words. I'm going to give some examples. The right hand man, that's his boy. People say grow a pair. When people say man hours, right? And then for women, it's stuff like diva or mean girls or rbf resting certain face drama queen debbie downer and another phrase i would love for you to talk about this girl boss how do you feel when people say girl boss and lady boss (laughs) well i just think that for every single time by the way i collected that list over an 18 month period so i actually sat down and all i did was i as i went through the day if something masculine or feminine came up in a meeting, I just wrote it down. Yeah. And at the end, I looked at the list and I thought, wait a minute. The way we talk about men and women is completely different yeah. in our workplace. Yeah. And this was all at work. And yeah. I realized that when we, by the way, the thing we say about girl boss and, and is how much of a backlash there is against women leaders. You know, we don't talk about the women who succeed. We say, and we criticize. I mean, I just think recently there's a New York Times article about um, Emily, Emily Weiss stepping down from Glossier. Yes. But she built a billion dollar company in a tough industry and yeah. she built something incredible and her stepping back is actually a success. She has built what she wanted to build. Yes. And yet it says, well, maybe this is the end era, end of the era of a girl boss. And I'm like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> Instead, she's choosing her own path. People should be, she should be incredibly proud of what she built. And they talk about, you know, the end of the lean in era. At the end of the day, like we, you know, the work doesn't end. Like we are in the workplace and we yes. are successful and we're making progress and women should have choices whether you choose to stay at home whether you choose to step back from a company you founded whether you choose to join the c-suite we should praise women for the choices they make we don't criticize men for those choices i remember recently i posted something on linkedin about you know the help i have in the support network and people said well don't you feel like you missed out on your children's childhood because you worked Things like that. And my husband goes, no one's ever No one ever says that to dad. Right. No one says that to dad. It's just, you know, he goes, why do people criticize you for something which I do, you know? And I said, I'm not sure. But for each of my children, when I was on maternity leave, before, before I went, people on my own team who reported to me said, are you coming back? And he said, why would anyone ask you that? You know, no one asked me that. Yes. And it's just that our expectations are so different. And mm-hmm. so it's these small things. Again, none of these things were huge stumbling blocks, but they just remind you, just like my pastor reminded me, maybe you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Maybe you are missing something, uh, something, uh, you know, missing out on their childhood, or maybe you should be doing something different. And these are the signals we're sending to women across their careers. Yeah. So what do you think we lose when women aren't given the opportunity to lead or are told that they can't lead? Well, think about all of the intellectual capital, the creativity, the innovation that's not happening when Mm. women aren't at all, when they're written out of the equation. Think about, you know, when somebody, there's a quote I put in the book that drives me absolutely crazy. And that is, I would hire diverse teams, but I don't want to lower the bar. (gasps) 
That absolutely means I one thing. I folded the is, corner of that page, by the way. I did. I hear that so much. I work in a male-dominated industry, so I hear it at conferences. I hear it in closed rooms. And I said, you know, that says a lot about what you think, which is that every single person, especially diverse who are women in particular, are less qualified to do the job. Yes. So you think that absolutely by hiring a woman or someone who's diverse, they're absolutely less qualified than a man in the same position. Mm-hmm. Think about what you just said. And I said, it actually, instead, we're actually opening the aperture, increasing the funnel of the people we can choose from. Yeah. You're actually going to pick someone better because maybe it's someone you had never considered before. Yeah. Maybe it was somebody who's going to bring a different point of view to the table. Diverse teams outperform. Those are not diverse because people are challenging each other's ideas. They're actually looking at the problem in different perspectives. And so it is that kind of thing where when we when we shut out half the world, mm-hmm. you know, think about all the products that weren't built, all the solutions that we didn't have because we had shut out women from leadership and the opportunity to really have their voice heard. So let's talk to a couple of different groups of people. Let's start with like our friends who are in their 20s. These women are finishing up college maybe, or they didn't go to college. They jumped right into the workforce and they are coming up against for the first time this like Oh, wait, he's getting paid more than me. Oh, I, why didn't I get an opportunity for that? You got passed over a couple of times for a job. And so talk to those women. What's the, what's some, some gospel encouragement for going into, instead of going, you know what, forget it. I'm not going to even try. I'm just going to be happy and, and be done with it. Yeah, there's an interesting stat that I, I saw and, and I put it in the book, which is, you know, women and men used to, women used to negotiate less than men because they were turned down more. Mm. But recently they did another study and they said, a lean in organization did a study and it said women now negotiate as much as men. So we've taught women to kind yes. of come to the table, which is amazing. But men get the raise 20% of the time and women get it 15% of the time. Okay. So you're gonna get a raise less often than a man who asks the same question. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Absolutely not. But if you don't ask, what's the percentage you're gonna get that raise? Yes. Zero. That's right. And so I said, look, don't look at the difference between 15 and 20. Look at the difference between zero and 15. Yes. Which is if you don't learn to ask, you don't learn to raise your hand, you don't learn to to step up and speak up. Yes, you're going to get it less than men. And that's going to happen. And statistically, that's true. However, not asking mm-hmm. means you don't get it at all. And mm-hmm. I tell stories of some amazingly powerful women who almost got passed over because they did not raise their hand. Yes. One woman is Maylee Tom. She worked for Willie Brown, but she actually hired her boss who reported to Willie Brown three times. Oh and God. each time she would hire a boss, train them. And then that person would leave. She did it again. She did it again. This is when he was a Speaker of the House of the State of California. And this is the number one um, non-elected position in in the Senate, actually in the the legislature. Mm -hmm. And in the end, what she did was, you know, after she trained her third boss, she went to Willie Brown and said, hey, have you ever considered me? And he said, Maylee, I thought you'd never ask. (gasps) Wow. Wow. She had to raise her hand and he was yeah. waiting for her. Yes. But uh, he wasn't sure if that's what she wanted. And I realized that sometimes you're sending mixed signals, right? Right. And, you know, rather than just saying what you want, hey, Willie, what would it take for me to take this role? Yes. What do you think the gap is between me and, you know, you offering me And the role? three guys I've trained. <laughs> yes, the three guys I've trained. Clearly she knew how to do the job and she yeah. did have that job for many years and she was very successful. 
Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners. Indeed. Hey, speaking of running some businesses here at Downs Books and the That Sounds Fun Network, we are always looking for ways to get better and really putting our energy toward improvements that snowball, right? Like getting better at hiring. You do that. You hire great people faster. Your business grows and the things snowball in a great way. So how do you get better at hiring? You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match and assessments. Seriously, y'all, there are over 135 assessments that really help candidates shine in their area of expertise. And you can conduct virtual interviews there, too. With the Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that you Use Indeed to hire great talent fast, including us. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And I have one more amazing partner to tell you about, ZocDoc. Okay, you've probably heard me sharing about my little knee issue. (laughs) And honestly, there are multiple appointments that I have needed to schedule that have had me playing calendar Tetris with my doctor's schedules and mine. Thank goodness for the way that ZocDoc helps us find the doctors we need. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, takes your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every special under the sun. Whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get the mole checked out, or anything else, I feel like that is just my list of to-dos. Okay, ZocDoc has you covered, you guys. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery food to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with just a few taps. Find and review local doctors and read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. Now, when you walk in that doctor's office, you are all set to see someone in your network who gets you and that you've read reviews about. (laughs) So go to ZocDoc.com and find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, including your girl AFD, and it is my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor. You know, I like to say it. I love getting my docs in a row, you guys. I love getting my docs in a row. So go to ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun and download the ZocDoc app for free. And then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun. ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun. And remember, the show notes have every link you need to our sponsors, transcripts of the show, and a place for you to sign up for the AFD Week in review. It's all right there for you. And now back to our conversation with Deb. So your book is titled Take Back Your Power, 10 New Rules for Women at Work. So I'm thinking now about our stay-at-home moms. 
Like, or the women who are not working and they know, yeah, I've got power and I've got ideas, but I've chosen this or this life has chosen me. Both are true for some of our (laughs) friends listening. So when I read this book, I thought of some of my mom friends who I'm like, they are Mm. going to love this book. So will you talk a little bit about the women who are not out in the workforce right now and why this conversation still really matters? Well, I just, you know, I have, I've been in several lean-in groups and one of the lean-in groups is, is fellow moms in this area. And I just remember half of them actually were general moms and half of them were out in the workforce. And it was incredible how powerful both groups were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the women who, who said, you know what, this is not the right time for me to be at work. I want to take a step back. This is the calling I have is to stay home right now. And this is a season of my life. You know, maybe I'll go back, maybe I won't. I just think they were some of the most powerful women because yeah. they were the women who were the community organizers. They were the ones who actually organized the campaigns. They were the ones who influenced the schools. They were the ones who were making our community an amazing place. Yes. And so they have so much more power than they ever imagined. They were the ones who were helping people run for school board and yes. campaign for you know safety for our kids. And I just realized that they have so much to give. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just about the time, it was about their influence. Their voice was so incredible. Yes. And I just think sometimes we think, Oh, yeah, she's a stay-at-home mom, and we discount her. You know, I considered, and I I talk about this, I considered staying at home at one point when my son, after my son was born. And I just think that we just underestimate. We're like, well, she's not in the workforce. She can't be a leader. Mm -hmm. But these, you know, somebody said that that mothers are the shock observers of our society. They're the ones who fix things. They're the ones who advocate for things. They're the ones who help our schools. And I just think we underestimate the value that they're creating in the world. And I think for all of those moms who are staying at home, for this season of your life, you have so much to give. Yes. And so much your community needs you because, you know, those who are in the workforce do not have the time. And you are the people who actually make the the schools, the communities work. Yes. And I feel like we just, you know, it's this invisible labor that we have, of, you know, but imagine our school systems, imagine our oh communities gosh. without these powerful women who are out there actually making a difference. Yeah, advocating for students' needs and and just being available if somebody needs something in any area of life. I mean, it is but so many of my friends, I'm 42, and so a lot of my friends are in that place where they have elementary age kids or middle school age kids and staying home is the right thing for their family right now. But I also am at the age, maybe you are too, where like some of my friends who've been home for a long time are ready to get back in. And are like, okay, now that my all my kids are in school, or now that my kids are graduating, I want to get back into this. Will you give some encouragement to those women that are listening that have like hear those whispers of like, do you want to go back to work? Do you want to go back out there and get in the workforce? Should they do it? I think that women have so much to give. And these moms who have had this experience are leaders in so many areas that sometimes, you know, you underestimate. I hear a lot of women say, well, you know, maybe my skills are are, are rusty or I'm not ready for the workforce. But I've had so many mom friends who actually took time off and said, you know what, that was the season of my life. Now that my kids are in middle school or in high school, I'm ready to get back into it. And But they're really worried. Yeah. And so one of the things I love is that a lot of companies are now starting what they call returnships. Or kind of on ramps back to workforce. That's brilliant. And you know, you're looking at human capital that has been, been devoted to family and home for a long time, but they can also deliver for companies too. Yes. And I think you shaping your narrative around the time you took off and what you did during that time, the leadership that you had. I think sometimes you're like, well, I was just staying at home. You know, but you were doing so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we underestimate the leadership you are demonstrating in your community, in your home, and yes. your family. And we we 
don't, you know, we don't value that. But a lot of companies are now learning that these are valuable employees. These are valuable people who are going to be huge contributors because now they have the passion to come back. They're fresh yes. and they're ready for a new challenge. Yes. And so now it's the time. And I would go to companies that are very family friendly. There are, you know, there not every company is really open to this, but there are many companies. And there are many companies who say, you know what, we want to bring this human capital. We want to bring this talent in. So let's find a way to actually onboard them back. I, I mean, when I'm thinking about who I'm hiring for my company, I'm like, oh, you mean she was able to schedule meals for a lot of people at home every day and do laundry and get the oil changed and run the bake thing at school? Like, I'm interested. She's very organized. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the juggling juggling a life is hard. And I think sometimes we just say, well, you know, she hasn't you know, picked up on the latest technology. Those skills are learnable, but right. actually being able to multitask and figure out how to solve huge problems, that's exactly what companies want. And so really kind of having those skills and then, you know, f- figuring out the technical skills that you need to actually fill in the gaps. Those are easy because anyone can learn those skills, but actually having the experience of spending five, 10 years managing a household, managing communities, you know, volunteering for the PTA, helping with the community, those things are invaluable. Yeah. As I was reading through your book, each of the 10 new rules for women at work. I, I mean, I I found myself rising up to meet each of them of going like, oh yeah, that it, that does matter. But you wrote a whole chapter on forgiveness. Will you mm-hmm. talk about why, why, when you're thinking about women in the workplace and that being a new rule, why does forgiveness matter at work? You know, that was one of the first chapters I read. <gasps> really? Because, yeah, because so many women live with so much regret. And I talk about how regret can be a poison if you're not careful. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about this. And when I first had my son, I, I saw these moms talk about regret. And I just remember, I said, you know what? I'm not going to look back. If I couldn't spend time with him this week, I'm going to spend more time with him next week. Let's yeah. look forward. And I realized that a lot of forgiveness is forgiving those, you know, people are hurt. People will hurt you in the workforce. People will hurt you at home. But if you don't forgive, it's a poison on you. It's like someone said, you know, um, a lack of forgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Like yes, you're the one who's yes, hurt. Yes. And I talk a lot about, you know, different experiences of people who had to, to forgive, not only others, but also themselves. Yeah. And I think sometimes our lack of forgiveness on ourselves is also one of the biggest things. Because we say, well, if only we had done X, if yeah. only we had done Y. And we think, well, you know, the road less traveled might be better. But, you know, as one of my friends had told me and, and I interviewed her the book, she said, you know, all of those scars, all of those those journeys, all the stumbling blocks, that's what made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. And I can't regret that. I can't regret the family I have. I can't regret wh- where I've come because all of those things add up to who I am. And I just realized that that's exactly, you know, the richness of your experience is what makes you who you are today. And going forward, you get to choose what to do with that. This I include the quote from Chuck Swindoll that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I choose to react to it. That is exactly. And if you can't forgive, that 10% becomes 90%. It's like your life becomes only what happened to you. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's that zero to fifteen or fifteen to twenty yes. percent thinking. Because I can even find myself, if I hear in the face space of a man and I doing the same job and he gets better pay, I can find myself getting worked up at everyone involved. I'm worked up at him because he doesn't know I got paid less. This uh, he does one Sunday preaching, I do the next Sunday. He doesn't know he got paid more, so I'm mad at him. I'm mad at the church who paid us different. I'm mad, you know, like. I can feel unforgiveness rising in me 
when the better response is to go, I'm grateful for the opportunity, not because I'm a female, but because anytime we get to do work, I'm thankful. And to let go of that. As I was reading that chapter, I thought, man, there are so many times where I get Joan of Arky about things at work, and it's actually unforgiveness. It's not just power, it's unforgiveness. Yeah. And I do hope that, by the way, if they are paying a man and women differently, that you call it out too. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think we are taught is to be good girls. Yeah. Right? Never make it awkward. But, you know, if you just say, hey, I just want to let you know, like, thank you for this opportunity. It was wonderful. But, you know, I recently heard that this is, you know, you're paying men and women differently. It's something you should consider for your policy. Yeah. You know, for the future. And I just think calling it out and actually just saying that and making them think, wow, why do we do that? Because a lot of times it's actually subconscious. I don't think people are thinking in the top of their head, okay, I'm definitely going to pay her less. Yes, yes, yes. But what there's, it's just maybe he asked for more. Maybe you didn't know, you know, maybe there are other reasons. And they said, well, you know, his team asked for more or, you know, you didn't, you know, we didn't negotiate it or maybe he's doing something else. Absolutely. Just, just call it out and then make them think, well, why did we do that? And I think just putting that bug in their ear and saying, hey, maybe we should consider this for next time, or maybe we should make this right. Gives them the opportunity to make it right too. I think sometimes we're angry, but that lack of forgiveness is also because we haven't said anything. Yeah. And we just wish someone else would fix the problem for us. But instead just saying, hey, I just thought this was something you should know. And we can talk about what the best way to kind of reach reconciliation is. Yeah, Deb, my, if you and I were just getting coffee or just like having a drink or something, I'd be like, but Deb, the problem is, is that I still have this narrative in my head, even though I lead two companies and I'm a very public woman in leadership, I still have this narrative in my head that says, don't be the B word. Yes. And yes. and if you speak up for yourself, they're going to say, well, you know, Annie F. Downs is kind of a, right? And so even though I'm having this conversation with you, I read your book and I loved it. And I love being a leader of my company. I, I have to confess that that narrative is still in my head. And I don't think men have that narrative. I don't think they have that narrative, but actually there's something that I found works for a lot of women as well. Women are really bad at negotiating for themselves, Mm -hmm. but they're really good at negotiating for others. And so Mm -hmm. one thing is maybe you don't solve the problem for yourself, but by calling out for the next woman who comes to that pulpit. For the next woman who gets yeah, that contract. Yeah. You say, I'm going to fight for her because she doesn't know. Right. But I do. Right. And so if you actually reframe, and one of the things I talk about is like a lot of world, the world and how you see the world is, refra- is how you frame it. Yeah. If you look at the 15 to 20 and how unfair that is, or you can look at the 10 to 15. And so the thing yeah. I would say to you is maybe you can't solve it for yourself. But for the next woman who j- gets in that pulpit, you want to make sure she's treated fairly. Yeah. And then you're not now being difficult. You are being an advocate. You are now, right. you know, a helper. You are now somebody who's actually making the world fair for the next generation. Yeah. And so I, I have also had that problem where if I, if I'm too, what if I'm too demanding? Yeah. What if they say I'm aggressive? Yes. But instead, one of the things is, you know, the whole, the, I tell a story about how these women were like, well, we don't want to say anything because it's awkward. I'm like, well, what if we all made it a little awkward yeah. for each other? Yeah. Because for the next woman who comes, she will have so much more ability to negotiate if you've already set the table. Yeah. Yeah. It's that narrative in my head that says, well, not only are you a Christian, you're also a girl. So you have to be double nice because a female has to be nice. And if you're like Jesus, you're nice. And that's just, and and Jesus was very nice, but that just is not, (laughs) we're also allowed to be strong and have power. 
Well, I think the one thing you said, which was the difference between when we say good guy and good girl, think about what a good guy means. He's a good guy. Yeah. I'm vouching for him. He's, you know, I'm, I'm his reference. High integrity. Yeah. High integrity is yeah. great, right? Yeah. What does it mean to be a good girl? She's quiet. She behaves. She, yes. Yeah, she stays in line. Yeah, I know. I hear it. But the word good and, and the modifier is the same. Yes. But when you put guy in front of it. <laughs> And we're telling our daughters to be good girls, right? I have two yes. daughters. But we say, you know, oh, yeah, you're a good... Do we say good boy? No, in the workplace, we say, hey, he's a good guy. Yeah. I vouch for him. He's great, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I just remember Eileen Lee actually brought that up. She's a venture capitalist. She's yes. one of the few female, early uh, female venture capitalists. She's like, in those rooms, they're always like, oh, he's a good guy. And the men yeah. are just like creating this network. But I said, you know, we hear all, all the time, it's like, be a good girl. What does that mean? Don't mm -hmm. rock the boat. Yeah. Don't raise your hand. Don't negotiate. And I think we're teaching the wrong lessons here, yes. which is we're, but in our language, think about how we're coding gender and coding our biases into our language accidentally. And again, this is not intentional. It's just how it's evolved because of the way that our workplaces have been for a long time. Yeah. And we're still go going past that, but it's a good reminder just to hear that language and reminding ourselves, wait a minute, when I say I should be a good girl, don't rock the boat. But that's not really what we say when we say good guy. Yes. Man, that is messing me up. You are so right about those two, <laughs> Deb. Oh, my gosh. Okay, speaking of guys helping each other, one of the things I loved in your book was you talk about finding a mentor, but also finding a sponsor or how you find a mentor, but a sponsor finds you. So many yes. women I talk to who are in the business world or who are in the faith space but run small businesses like I do are saying like, how do we find a mentor? How do we find a mentor? Will you kind of describe mentor and sponsor and what the difference is? Yeah, you know, a mentor is somebody who, you know, gives you advice. So you go and Annie, you're like, hey, I need help growing my business. How can I find somebody to help give me advice and, and you know, coach me? And that's, you know, an advisor or somebody who can help you. A sponsor is somebody who says, you know, Annie, I saw your, I heard your program and I want to help you succeed. What mm -hmm. if we get you on three more distribution platforms? What if we you do a partnership? Here's some opportunities. I want to introduce you to, to three people. Like there's a huge difference between saying, yes. Annie, you should get three partnerships right. and hey, here are three people I'm going to contact on your behalf. That's right. Think about the difference between those two things. And the first one's a mentor and it's very useful. You know, you should get more and more platforms. You should amplify your voice. That's awesome. But someone who actually does the work for you. Yeah. Annie, I've contacted three people on your behalf. I'm going to set the introductions up. I think you can get on these platforms. But I think sometimes we kind of mix those two things up yeah. because the sponsor now has put their name on your credibility, their right. credibility on yours, right? right? They say, I'm vouching for this person and I'm going to open that door. And if something goes wrong, my name is on it because I sent the introduction. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what a sponsor really is, which is why it's really hard to ask somebody, can you be my sponsor? Right. But really building that relationship, not only to get advice, but then to start having that person open doors. And your job then as the person being sponsored is to say, each time, thank you. And here's what I did with it. Yeah. Thanks. Here's what I did with it. Yes. Yes. Close the loop. I have mentored a lot of people, but I haven't sponsored all of them because yeah. the mentors, you know, you give advice and it's great. You coach them. But sponsorship is really a long term relationship where you're opening doors, you're putting your credibility in the line. And so a lot of people only do that for people. They say, you know what? She took every opportunity that I gave her and she made something of it. Mm -hmm.
Hey friends, just interrupting one more time to tell you about another amazing partner, Ginger. I'm all about using natural products and keeping harmful chemicals away from my skin and out of my air. And that's why I've been loving Ginger. That's Ginger with two J's. It's an essential oil. Ginger is a high quality, 100% natural essential oil made from the ginger root. It's free of micro impurities and it comes pre-mixed with carrier oils. So it's safe to use directly on your skin. I got it just before I was out during the month of July and I've already seen the benefits Benefits of adding ginger's rejuvenating self-care kit to my routine. Using the ginger oil with the gua sha stone. Oh, a gua sha stone, you guys. It's the best massage because the ginger root has a natural heating sensation to it. So massaging it into my skin helps to reduce swelling and inflammation. And it just smells so good, you guys. Trust me, I know you'll love ginger essential oil as much as I do. And right now is the perfect time to order because ginger's having a summer sale blowout. Plus, my friends get an extra 20% off your purchase. But to get this limited time offer, you have to visit my special URL, ginger.us slash that sounds fun. That's J-I-N-J-E-R dot U-S slash that sounds fun. Don't miss out on this summer sale blowout plus an extra 20% off. Remember, just go to ginger with two J's dot U-S slash that sounds fun. And one last incredible partner to tell you about, Policy Genius. Here's the thing. Mortgage payments, private student loans, and other types of debt don't just disappear if something happens to you. I'm sorry to tell you. Having a life insurance policy can provide your loved ones with the financial cushion that they can use to cover those costs. And it can provide you with peace of mind that even in a worst case scenario, they'll be protected. Policy Genius is an insurance marketplace that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price on life insurance. They'll help you understand your options so you can make the choice that's best for you. You can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Options start at just $17 a month for $500,000 of coverage. So just click the link in the show notes or head to policygenius.com to get personalized quotes in minutes and find the right policy for your needs. The licensed agents at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. That's a huge deal. They're on hand through the entire process to help you understand your options so you can make decisions with confidence. Policy Genius has thousands, of, thousands, thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot, so you know from other satisfied customers that you are in good hands. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. And now back to finish up our conversation with Deb. So I'm thinking about our friends who like have an Etsy shop or who have written their first book or who are, you know, back in the workforce and not on the C-suite level, but could see themselves moving up at the company they are back at. How do we find the mentor? And is that what we look for first, Deb? Are we looking for a mentor before a sponsor? Usually people start out as mentors or managers yeah. actually before they become your sponsor. Ah. So that's a good place to start. Okay. If you're, you know, if you're Etsy shop for your book, people are so much more generous than you think they are. Yes. And so I just reached out when I was doing this book, I just said, you know what, who are some interesting people that I could reach out to? And I just started sending emails and asking around. And I interviewed some incredible women who I could never have thought would say yes to an yeah. interview and yeah. to be included in the book. And by the way, very few people said no. And so I realized that people say yes so much more than you think they will. Mm -hmm. And people are extraordinarily generous with their time. Yeah. And so one of the things I think we often do is we don't ask 
We don't say, hey, here's somebody I really admire. Just reach out to them, say, hey, just really admire you. I want to learn from you. Mm -hmm. Would that be possible? Mm -hmm. My daughter has recently started a blog where she wants to learn from authors. So I shared uh, with her my author experience. And so she said, I just want to interview authors. And I said, okay, I let's go ask people. And everyone said, yeah, she's, she has 24 uh, published authors on her list. She's interviewed about 12 of them. And she said, here's what I've learned so far. And the amount of time people have spent helping her shape her narrative, you know, talk about what they've learned has been incredible. And yeah. I think, you know, you would be surprised that so often we are worried what people think, but learning to ask is the first step. One of my questions for you personally is, should I be looking for a mentor in different areas of expertise? So like when I think about my, my, my current mentor, Nancy, I mean, we talk about work, but really we're talking about my like life and my spiritual life and my emotional life. And she knows our world really well. So I can bring work things to her. But then I also have a business coach who like coaches me with my work. Should this be one person or should there be eight of them? I think you should have different mentors for different areas of your life because okay. they're different people with different expertise. And so just like you have an accountability partner for our faith, you know, and yeah. you probably have a group of mom friends that, you know, if you are a mom that you kind of ask questions to, especially if kids are older than yours. And, you know, so you want to build, you know, these allies, as I call them in the book, you want to build these circles of allies, whether it's mentoring and, you know, sponsors, but also, you know, your team and your circle, right? Yeah. You want to be able to actually take each of these groups of allies to fill in different parts of your life. And I think it is those relationships that are really critical to both mm -hmm. your success in your life, your happiness, but also being able to think through problems at work too. Yeah. I actually only even started figuring out that I needed a business coach when I started realizing like, no one knows how to answer this for me. <laughs> so then yes. I, I mean, I did that, Deb. I called two of my friends who are significantly more successful than me, but not in the faith space. They're faith people mm -hmm. who are out in the mainstream workforce. And I was like, how'd you do it? And they gave me the same guy's name. And I was like, very interested. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I am calling him. Is it okay that my business coach is a guy? Is that okay? If it, it, I mean, is that like anti-girl power if I'm being coached by uh -huh. a man? You know, some of the best coaches and, and sponsors can be men. And I think we, you know, we actually, we should, women should support each other. But some of the most, you know, powerful people who can help you are those who are already in power or have experience. Mm. And, you know, you couldn't just say, okay, like, what is it that you're trying to get out of it? And they both said it was this man. And that's incredible. You know, some of my most powerful sponsors, the people who really transformed my career were women, but a lot of them were men too. Yeah. And I think sometimes if you just say, well, I'm only focused on having mentors of this type or sponsors of this type you're actually closing the door to a lot of people who could add a lot of value, but also that you could have a wonderful relationship with. Yeah. I mean, you'd have loved it, Deb. So both these guys give me this guy's name. And then I'm like trying to decide, should I do it? And that weekend I go to a Nashville soccer club match and I turn around and the coach is in line behind me to get a oh soda. Gosh. And I was like, you know what? This is it. Okay. This is God. We're done. <laughs> I think God is uh, telling you something. Yes, I was like, I am listening. I mean, I saw his face. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I'm going to email you on Monday. <laughs> like, That's incredible. Are, right? It was incredible. And he's been so helpful. I mean, it's been really, really amazing. Okay. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is you have a, one of your 10 new rules for women is the whole chapter on creating balance at home because the... It is imbalanced. If both parents are at work, there are different expectations on the mom than on the dad. So can you talk? I mean, that has to be one of the most 
pulling things for our friends that are moms at a workplace? Well, I think that's the one thing which I, I wrote that chapter on purpose, and I talk a lot about my incredible husband. Yes. I wrote this book on creating balance at home because I start out with the quote that the most important career decision you ever make is who you choose to marry. Wow. And that is absolutely true because think about whether you have a spouse at home that says, you know, what, I'm not supportive of your career. I don't, you know, do you really have to travel this weekend? Or, mm. hey, why, you know, who drops the ball? Yeah. on, you know, the kids' activities. You have to take care of all their their school pickup and drop-offs, all the summer camps. And then they just say, well, just tell me when you need help. And you're in suddenly the household manager. You have yes. the, the mental load of taking care of everything. And so think about that versus like you doing everything yourself, you know, or somebody who's actually there to support you. Mm -hmm. My husband and I have an incredible marriage. He, you know, we call it the swim lane marriage, yeah. which is you each have a swim lane, you do your own thing. Like, you wouldn't, if you had a business partner, and I say this very clinically because it's yeah. just easier to, to, but, you know, our marriage is incredible, but we have a partnership as well. Mm -hmm. And so your partnership is that you're a partner in your household. And sometimes you, you wouldn't micromanage your partner. If right. you had a business partner or if you had a, a law partner, you wouldn't micromanage them, right? But how many times are mothers and, and you know, women expected to micromanage their husbands? Well, you know, if only you told me I had to do that. Mm. And so one of the things we do is we have, we balance it out. We've renegotiated that oh, he's a lawyer so we renegotiate things all the time <laughs> and you know we and we balance it out so one thing is he does all the summer camps so when I was the kids were small I did all the summer camps for many years and now he does all of it okay and he makes sure that the kids show up I do nothing but make sure that they actually get to the camp he yeah. does all the preparation <laughs> the packing and everything and I just make sure that they they actually arrive yeah and it's incredible like I never have to think about it but think about both people having to worry about it yes you know the same thing on vacation he plans all of our trips He's incredible at it, and I show up. Yeah. But my job is to make sure the kids are packed, that we have food. I take care of all of those things, like where we eat, all of those things. But he plans all the activities, books all the tickets, and he sends me an itinerary. Yeah. He sends me a great Google Doc with all the details. And we just go back and forth. So there's just so much, you know, that I take care of all the kids' doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, and things like that. He makes sure that they get picked up and dropped off. And, you know, we just have such a great partnership where it's a it's a fluid activity where, you know, the handoff is it's like a relay. We just hand yeah. off. And I don't go, well, you know, you didn't run fast enough in your section right or you should have your stride should have been different the handoff is done and we move on to the next thing yeah and so i do think sometimes we just don't have that balance in a lot of relationships and then who picks up the slack becomes the person who ends up having to frantically kind of clean up everything yeah. you know the behind the scenes yeah and so i do think marriages need that balance and i think that you negotiating something having really clear you know what what is it that you do versus i do and then mm -hmm. there's no management of each other no nagging no reminding that is exactly how you want a workplace to be and yet we're okay with that at home and why is that that is fascinating. I actually just, so I'm not married yet, don't have kids yet. And I just went on vacation with the family and I watched how beautifully the mom and dad both were in their lane. Like the dad was exactly yes. in charge of all of our tickets and the car. And, you know, like he had handled all that and she made sure we were fed <laughs> and she made sure yes. the kids all had their shoes on, but she did not know the information about the tickets to the parks or to the soccer match we went to, you know, like she didn't have any of that information. He had all yes. of that. And I was so impressed watching them. So for our friends that are listening that are married and maybe they, they haven't done the renegotiating, how do you start that conversation of going like, Hey, hey, I'm back at work and this isn't working or, hey, I would like to go to work, but I don't know how to keep doing all the laundry and start this business. 
And I think that's part of the, the sitting down and actually saying, here's enumerating everything that you're doing. Because I think sometimes there's the invisible work, right? The laundry gets done, it shows up in your it shows up in the drawer. Yeah. And nobody thinks, wow, that was a lot of effort. Or dinner just shows up on the table and nobody does anything. So for a long time, you know, the kids dinner showed up on the table. Yeah. And then I made them cook with me and they realized the process that goes behind making a meal, a meal. And they realize, wow, this is a lot of work. And so, you know, one of the things is really kind of taking off the covers and not saying, hey, this is easy, but to say, hey, this is hard. Let's talk about how to do some of these things. And I think sometimes we take for granted the invisible work that happens behind the scenes that make a household work. So instead actually writing down, just spend one week, write down what you're doing and how much time you're spending doing those things. And then actually saying, hey, Here's this list of things that I'm doing. How do we actually divide this so it's going to make sense? With the kids, actually, what we did was during COVID, we had you know we didn't have any help. We had no one you know who could come to our house, and so one of the things we did was we listed all the chores in the household, and then they rated how difficult it was based on their opinion, <laughs> and then we allocated based on points, and they took the chores over, and actually they did an incredible job. The kids That's were brilliant. so engaged, and the one thing nobody wanted to do was the dishes. Yes. It's a lot of work. And so the other two kids were like, we will do all the other chores if you can get Danielle, our youngest, to do the dishes. And so we did. And yeah. so they negotiated it themselves. And if three Brilliant. kids can do it, yeah. I think we can do it in our marriage, too. <laughs> that is such a good idea. That is really smart. Okay. Now, help me, as the Annie who's not married yet, if the biggest decision we make for our career is who we marry, what am I looking for that I haven't found yet? I think the biggest thing is someone who's supportive of your dreams that you can be supportive of their dreams too. Okay. You know, this is the person that God ordained for you that is, is building, you're building a life together. One of the things we did was we did a pre-marriage um, counseling kind of session with family life. And it was, it says like you and you and your partner are on two sides of a triangle. And if you're moving towards God, you're moving towards each other yeah. because he's at the top of the triangle. Yeah. And one of the things is, are you moving closer together or not? And one of the things we talk a lot about is, you know, in the Bible, it talks about iron sharpening iron, mm-hmm. right? Is this person going to challenge you? Are yeah. they going to support you? Are they going to be there carrying you when, when things get hard? That is something we so take for granted. We just think, well, you know, this person's somebody I can have fun with. But, you know, sometimes life is not fun. Right. You know, our, your parents get cancer. You're, yeah. you know, you're taking your parents to hospice. You have a colicky baby. And the question is, who do you want by your side? Not the person who's having fun with you, yeah. but the person who's going to be there to pick you up when you fall and to encourage you. And I think, you know, innately we know that, but sometimes what we're looking for in dating is somebody who's, you know, somebody who's a lot of fun to be with, but maybe not there for the long term. And yeah. so really thinking hard about what it is that you're looking for 20 years from now, not just, you know, the next two years, but like 20, 30 years, who are you going to grow old with? Yes. And how is that going to feel? And yeah. so that is, you're, you're binding yourself with a person that's going to be in your life for the next 50, 60 years. How do you want to think about that? There's a rumble in a lot of my friendships with single women who are leading in places. And I just would love for you to say true or false and talk about it for a second. And this idea that, and people say this to men, like you chose your career over family. And there's starting to be a rumble for women of like, well, you've put all your energy into your career and you've missed your chance. And you've missed that window. Do you think that's true for women more than it is for men? I don't think that's true for anybody, you know, because you never know, like maybe it was not the right season of your life to find the right person. I happened to meet, have met my husband when I was 18, you know, but that was very fortunate. We met at church and, you know, I met him my first weekend in college. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So, you know, it was, and it it was just a fortuitous thing that happened to us, but also I think maybe God ordained that. Yes. But, you know, 
maybe that's not the moment for you. And I think sometimes we think, well, you know, you missed your chance, but you know, people, God is a God of chances, of different opportunities, and different opportunities will come throughout your life. And so the question for you is, are you ready for that? Are you open to it? And are you listening for what he's, he's offering? Yeah. I just finished reading a book that dovetailed really beautifully with yours about like, okay, are you doing your part? (laughs) <laughs> to me yes. and to have the life you want. If you're doing your part to have the work life you want, are you doing your part to have the life life you want? And so yes. as I read her book along with yours, Take Back Your Power, I was like, okay, God, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you that there's <laughs> there's a balance here. Deb, is there anything we didn't say about your book or that you want to make sure we talk about that we didn't cover? Well, you know, one thing about the book is it's published by Zondervan. Yeah. And it's a book for, for all women, not just women of faith. But I do talk a little bit about my faith in the book yeah. because I do want to share that that's an important part of who I am. But I think that these are lessons for both women of faith and not, and for women who are at work and who are at home as well, because I think power is not limited to just, you know, making it to the C-suite in some company yes. or growing a really, you know, billion-dollar business. It's really about, you know, every single day you're making choices. And are you making the choice to take back your power in the Mm. the areas that you own? And I think sometimes we just say, hey, we're just going to sit back and take a break. And and that's okay, too. But, you know, at this moment in your life, there's so many opportunities that we sometimes pass up because we say, well, you know, I don't want to be difficult. I don't want to be that person. And I think sometimes we're doing ourselves a disservice, but also women ahead of us. And we do have work to do. You know, the world isn't fair today. And we are, we're, it, history bends towards fairness, and that's absolutely true, but we're not there yet. And this is a journey that we're all on together. And so if we each take our part and kind of make it a little bit more fair, mm-hmm. I think we'll get there together. Yeah, it's beautiful. You did an incredible job on this book. I, I like. I'm excited for book clubs to get to read it. There's a discussion guide for book clubs that they can download yes. and get. It's beautiful. I mean, I just think like I can't wait till women all over are sitting down with their coworkers and their friends and the people from the neighborhood and talking through this one together because it's it's just really well done, Deb. It's it is it is it's changing me. So I'm really really grateful. Thank you. Okay, so the last question we always ask, because the okay. show is called That Sounds Fun, Deb, tell me what you do for fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I write. I actually yeah. write for fun, which do is you. interesting. I, if, you had, if you had told me when I, you know, I used to hate writing. Yeah. It was such a chore. And now I actually write to process things. And I yeah. write in the evenings just to, for fun. And I just love that. The other thing is, um, so that's one, but yeah. I, I'll do one that's a little more interesting. Um, no, that's you know, very interesting. I, you don't have to, you don't have to shame your fun. Okay. That's great. But give us another okay. one too, but I just don't want you to ever okay. shame your fun with me. Well, one of the things that I do with my kids is we debate a lot. So my <gasps> husband's a lawyer, as I said, and at the table, we will bring up topics and we'll debate them. And so it is incredibly fun to kind of hear their perspectives yes. because, you know, we will talk about different topics, both um, about faith, about politics, about work. And it's really fascinating to hear their points of view because they're 16, 13, and 10, and they wow. just see the world so differently yeah. than we were when we were growing up. And so we have just, you know, entertaining and wonderful conversations, deep conversations around how the world works and it's just been something we've always been doing and so that is something which we you know dinner time is a lot of fun at our house <laughs> and we make sure to sit down to dinner as many yeah. you know, every night if possible and your mom lives with y'all as well right yes my yeah. mom lives with us and so you know she joins us in the conversation yeah so the 10 year old's like i'd like to argue about how many dishes i have to do That's during right. the entire <laughs> covid <laughs> She just gets to say, I don't have to do anything else. Every time I That's say, right. hey, you know, who needs to wash the dog tonight with me? And then she goes, not me, because I'm doing the dishes. Do the dishes. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like her stance. I'm impressed with it. Deb, thanks for making time for this today. I cannot wait for people to pick up Take Back Your Power. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation, Of Annie. course. 
Oh, you guys, don't you love her? Oh, oh I just cannot, like, I can't quit, Deb Lou. I just love her. What an incredible conversation. I'm telling you, that book was so impactful for me. And this conversation was to make sure you grab your copy of Take Back Your Power and follow Deb. Tell her thanks so much for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. You know what sounds fun to me today. Your girl is packing a suitcase and flying to Vegas tomorrow because I'm going to see Shania Twain. So I will see you there Saturday night. If you're seeing Shania Twain on Saturday night in Vegas, it's going to be fun. Y'all have a great weekend. Sing some Shania loud for me. And we'll see you back here on Monday with my sweet friend who y'all know and love, Jordan Lee Dooley. See y'all then.